Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome to Ladies Who London podcast. I'm Emily Dell. And I'm Alex Lacey and we are Qualified London Blue Badge Tourist Guides. Each week we bring to you some of the best bits of London. We talk about... What what do we talk about? Hang on. We talk about our favourite people, places and events with a bit of information, a lot of laughs and a whole lot of fun. We can be found on Instagram at Ladies Who London podcast and on our website skyemily.com and alexlacy.com as well as ladieswholondon.com for our dedicated website and information about us, the Blue Badge, and other things and show notes and things. Why and is it always me? I don't Why know. is it always me? I don't know. And everybody, everybody is thinking exactly the same. I am such the weakest link. <laughs> no, you're not at all, Alex. You're not at all. It's both of us. I'm a bear of very little But mostly brain. you. Yeah, mostly me. How are you, Emily? I am good. How are you? Yes, I'm at the back end of my cold, which is good. Fantastic. I'm not sure if I said last week, but my little nephew, one of my nephews managed to sneeze directly into my face when I saw him the week before last. So, and then the other one sneezed on my arms as I was, you know, holding him as we were watching Incredibles 2. So children are just dirty. They're Petri dishes. And uh, yeah, so (laughs) (laughs) So I've just been working my way out of the cold that my darling nephews, who I adore more than life itself, um, but who are... Just raging it's not bacteria bags. farms. Yes, yeah, not bags. Absolutely. Bacteria farts, did you farms. say? Farms. Oh, right. Bacteria <laughs> farts. I, mean, probably I guess that's, that is a, like kind of a face bacteria fart. I guess. Anyway, this is it not was full, how we like, should be It was be a full face sneeze. It was a full <gasps> face sneeze. Just directly right in my fizzog. Anyway. Anyway, hasn't January been lovely so far? It has. The weather's been... Go- I mean, when people say it always rains in London, they're, I mean, it's it's so not the case. It's been beautiful the last week or two. It really has. And I always expect January to be grey and miserable and dark. And yeah. actually, it's just been bliss, hasn't yeah. it? And I love these temperatures. I, I re- I'm a real cold weather beast. I love it. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's so yeah, it's feeling good and funky. Feeling good, absolutely, absolutely. Well, any news this week? Anything to to talk about? 
do I have anything to talk about? Um, it was Nick's birthday last week. Happy birthday, Nick. Happy birthday to Nick. Um, we took Carmen out to a restaurant. Oh, how did that she go? She was sick everywhere. Um, <laughs> she made her presence known. Um, what else have we done? I've, I've been for so many lovely walks. Good. I went on a boat ride as well. Um, living the life. Living the life. Yeah, it's just a very relaxed week. How's your week been? Well, it's been great. It's been great. I mean, I was I was thinking more about shout outs and things, but yeah, I mean, it's it's, oh, been, <laughs> it's been great. Um, oh, my mum does want a shout out. Actually, does, does she? is that a bit embarrassing? No. Hi, Emily's mum. Yeah, she's called. Uh, well, she likes. Oh, this is a bit bad, actually. Sorry about this, mum. I'm diving into this, <laughs> but um, her name is spelled D I A N A, but she likes to be known as Deanna. Deanna. Hi, Deanna. Hello. Hi, Dee. Hi, Dee Dee. Love you, Mum. Love you, Emily's So, yeah, mom. just a big old shout-out to my mum this week. She's my pod mum now. Yeah. Do you have any shout-outs? I do, I do. I have a shout-out um, for a lovely lady called Shah, who got in touch. And uh, she got in touch just, I think, yesterday or today. Um, and she is not in London. I'm actually I'm not sure she told me where she was. But she says she's just found the podcast and she started listening from the start. And she says she's just got to the Christmas episode. And I said, oh, which one? The first year or the second year? She said first year. And I was like, oh, babe, <gasps> oh, you've got gosh. a whole year of podcasts ahead of wow. you. So wow, she wow, might wow. not hear this for like a year. Oh, my um, God, that's true. <laughs> she'll be like, oh, my God, it's me. <laughs> and also she says her, um, her partner, she's been telling her partner um, about about the podcast and particularly Operation Mincemeat. Hello. She says that her partner is uh, knows more World War history things than she does. Um, and it was actually something he didn't know. So we uh, we taught him as well. And when this goes out, because yes. we're obviously, re- we're actually recording this just the night before it goes out because yep. we're, you know, um, that bad at, at timing. Um, yeah. So we would have watched Operation Mincemeat. No, because this is going out in four hours, mate. So oh, wait. yeah, that's true. <laughs> Sorry, God, so, where am I? To, so let's pretend <laughs> it's Wednesday and we say, tonight we're seeing Operation <laughs> Rinsmeat. Yes, that's true. It's Wednesday and tonight we are. Which I'm um, super excited I'm about. so excited. I've been in touch with the venue. They've got an area in the bar for us. Oh, um, we've also had an email from Alexandra Graff who said um, that she saw it in September. It's incredible. We'll laugh and cry and prepare to be amazed. And she said that she knows one of the creators on the show sent in the link uh, to our podcast. And I said, oh, what did he, what did he think? <gasps> and she said he really enjoyed it, of course. And this has been his baby. So he was really happy that the story gets oh. more and more mentioned so um yeah exciting i'm super excited to see it um Mm. i'm sure it's going to be amazing and i don't know if you know this because when i told you about this i booked the tickets um we're front row did i tell you that i think you did actually yes (laughs) nerd level max that is nerd level max isn't it yeah because i I, I just really i i really want that story to be revived in the foreground of my mind again because you told it quite a while back now didn't you yeah uh, it was episode thirteen, and I uh, did. Episode little, uh, I have, wow. And I know that there are at least a, a th- at least ten people that I definitely know of that are coming. There may be more that are, are coming that haven't told us as well. Yeah, we've had um, a few emails. And so we? if you're coming, go back and listen to episode thirteen mm. um, because that's what I'm going to do to remind myself as well. Yeah. And we'll see you tomorrow in the bar. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> definitely going to have a drink. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Mama's out on the town. Absolutely. <laughs> Good night, Carmen. Out I go. 
So let's get on with this week's episode. Um, well, darling, we need to do podcast pedestal. We do, we do, Hold we do. Hold your horses. Yep. So last week, which was all about the Beggar's Opera. It was. Do you want to run through the options? So your option was, you know, the very fact that the Beggar's Opera began, which was an anti-opera, began in a theatre, which then became the place where the Royal Opera House was born. Yes. Which was a very good choice. And actually, it was the choice that I would have gone for (laughs) if it hadn't have been for the fact that you chose first. You made me feel so mean. So mean. What was your choice then? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. Uh, My choice um, was the fact that the Prime Minister at the time, who was the first Prime Minister, Robert Walpole, um, was it Walpole? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Who banned or tried to ban the sequel to the Beggs Opera because in the first one um, he was kind of um, made fun of. Well, he he, not not explicitly, but not directly, but he he kind of presumed that that section of the play was, you know, poking fun at him. And he was so angry about it that he tried to ban the sequel. And that that for me. You know, it was a pretty cruxy point of the story. He wasn't sure he was implicated. He had to wait for the investigation by Sue Gray to know whether or not he was implicated. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, But he did actually succeed in quashing it for a good chunk of time. So uh, Mm. so there we go. Mm. Um, You're not happy, are you? Well, you don't Um, think you're happy. To be honest, um, I really thought that I was going to smash it this week. But I don't think I have. I thought it was going to be super close because I thought they were both good choices. It was very much not super close. I'm really sorry. I don't think it was super close at all, was it? it? It's no. embarrassing. It was 31% to 69%. It's not embarrassing because oh, I've not, been there as well. It's not as embarrassing as I thought it yeah, was you going see that, to be. On, on my poll, you, you, you rallied quite a lot, quite a lot. Did I? did you did um so uh yeah 69 percent to me i'm afraid well well done congratulations it's two nil to you you are being very gracious i am i'm trying to be i don't want i don't want you thinking that you know i'm i don't don't congratulate your wins because i do i I do i worked hard for it yeah, yeah. I mean, if I lose again next week, then, then I think I might change the old tempo up because yeah. um, I'm, so no pressure, gang. Know. But uh, yeah, Emily will will, will implode <laughs> if, if she doesn't get a win. I think what I need to start doing is because I always seem to put the answers for you on the same side and the answer for me on the same side. Oh, I see. And I, mean, I know we... that you've got so many fans out there. <laughs> so I think maybe what I'm going to start to do is switch it up. All right. See, she's already finding. <laughs> There's a reason why. There's always a reason why. Well, <sighs> let's go on to this week's episode and let's see what happens with the podcast pedestal at the end. So where yes. are we this week, Em? Well, this week we are in the area of St. James. We are. Um, which we've been to on a couple of occasions. And last week, you might remember, Alex told you that for this episode, you really need to have some chocolate close by. So I hope you've got either a bar of chocolate or in particular for this episode, 
hot chocolate, drinking chocolate. I do have some in. I haven't made any, but I can. <gasps> really? Do you want, shall we pause for you to make hot chocolate? Okay, you 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 start going. I'm going to make it in the background so people can listen to me making hot chocolate. Is oh, that weird? okay. Yeah, okay. no, you can do that. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. What kind of hot chocolate are you going for? Sorry, what was that? What hot chocolate are you going for? Well, I got hot chocolate for a Christmas present. <gasps> so I'm going to have to let me let me let you pick. I'm going to let you pick. Oh gosh, I um right now I've got a mint. I've got a mint hot chocolate. It's um Cadbury's mint. Okay. So here we go. This is actually my Christmas present from my brother and my sister-in-law. My sister-in-law who used to listen and has told me she doesn't listen anymore, so um she's dead to me. Um right, so listen to the lovely crinkly packaging. Oh, you get it in a packet. No, this is quite Oh, okay. So the options are indulge. Oh. Embrace. Oh, bloody hell. Or excite. Oh, these um, porn films, <laughs> right? <laughs> that is um, saucy hot chocolate. What so there's no. For? It doesn't tell you what flavour is. Just uh, no, the feeling. It's a feeling. Okay, I. Uh, I think it's got to be indulge, right? Indulge. Okay. All right. Yeah. Go for the indulge. I'm, I'm going to make this. This is going to be the most awful podcast episode because everyone's going to be listening to me making hot chocolate. But um, let's do it. Let's do it, babes. Off you go, Em. Okay, right. Well, so when it comes to chocolate, it's been enjoyed in this country for over 300 years. And it really comes into its own during the Georgian period. It was chocolate coming from Latin America that was really starting to get people excited. And it was going to fashionable cities um, such as London, such as Paris. And today we're going to be talking about chocolate houses, which basically was the byword amongst the upper classes for luxury, sophistication and good company. Have you got it on, Alex? I'm just putting the milk on, yeah, yeah. Putting the milk on, lovely. Now, we have talked about clubs before on various episodes. There was an episode where, sadly, Alex could be there because she was unwell, which was the Beefsteak Club episode. And there are usually clubs which have a particular food or a particular drink linked to the club itself, something that you're going to be served when you go. So when it comes to the chocolate houses, you're not going to be given actual chocolate pieces like truffles or chocolate bars. You're going to be given the beverage of drinking hot chocolate. Bars of chocolate don't come in until about the 19th century. Now, however, it was poor, good old... Poor, poor 18th century and before people who didn't have chocolate. How I know. How disappointing. However, Christopher Columbus, the great explorer, he actually did bring the cocoa bean into the country in 1502. Um, he was apparently the first European to taste um, chocolate from the cocoa beans. And he was on his fourth voyage to the New World, brought some back, but they were basically dismissed because we had no idea what to do with them. Now tell me though, cocoa beans, links to slavery, where are we on that? Um, so especially when it starts to come in, in the middle of the 17th century. This is, you know, hugely connected to slavery, I have to say, because of course you've got all the chocolate plantations. So um, it's not good. 
Yeah. 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 I was yeah. bracing myself for that this week. And you've also got the idea that sugar is being added. So, you know, there is a, there's definitely slavery connected to it. Well, on that cheery note, carry on. Okay. Um, <laughs> usually apologise. Um, so, uh, yeah, so nobody knew what to do with it. And it didn't come in really until the middle of the 17th century. Now, that is not to say that people in other places around the world were not enjoying hot chocolate because it's believed that um, the oldest civilization of America, the Olmecs, they were drinking it in 1500 to 400 B.C., Wow. It's, yeah, it's crazy, right? And also in certain parts of the world, the cocoa bean was seen as currency because of its kind of luxury importance. It was seen as such a wealthy thing. And it was in Spain in the 17th century where they started to add to the chocolate pepper, vanilla, sugar, cinnamon, and they mixed it together sometimes with beer, sometimes with wine. Sounds brilliant. It does, doesn't it? I've had hot chocolate with like um, a liqueur, like Bailey's. Yeah. I don't know if I would, I don't know if I could stomach it with beer or wine though. Well, um, don't know. I mean, the beer wouldn't be quite the same as it was today, would it? But still. No, true. But yeah, interesting. But this is the time when, of course, chocolate was seen for its medicinal purposes. A lot of people believe that it was quite good for, um, you know, that alluring quality. Like oysters have the, what is it? The aphrodisiac. The exciting, naughty yeah. bedtime. Exactly, feeling. exactly. Um and actually, in Spain, society ladies had hot chocolate served to them during mass. It was, uh, yeah, such a such a popular drink to have. Um, now, when it came into London, at the time, something that was very popular that we have touched upon uh, during other episodes was the coffee houses. Yeah. So coffee houses started to pop up uh, around London, around the country from the 1650s, first one being in Oxford. And these were these wonderful little atmospheric little dens. And they were known as penny universities because you'd pay a penny to enter, you'd get your cup of coffee and you could earwig listen in to people talking about politics, talking about art, culture, gossip. And people went to the coffee houses because they wanted to talk about business and they didn't want to make bad decisions and be drunk, spend lots of money on alcohol, have a bad hangover the next day. So coffee, absolutely. So coffee, it was that kind of cup full of mindfulness. It gave them that zing. It gave them that feeling of being like, you know, a little bit uh, on edge, that excitable rush that you get when you have your first coffee in the morning. And of course, the next day they would feel good. In the coffee houses, such as the chocolate houses, which we're going to come to, uh, no women were allowed. So it was quite a boisterous place. And actually, the young gentlemen who would go to these coffee houses and later the chocolate houses were known as bloods, which is such a horrible term. The bloods, these men, these kind of boisterous men. Um, they would be. Um, what's that? Uh, putting the chocolate in lovely i i think and why well, maybe bloodhound i don't know because of that kind of hound like quality i'm guessing the bloods 
it sounds pretty um, heavy, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and at this time, they would eat dinner. They would go somewhere for dinner um, to kind of like, a, let's say, the beefsteak club about 3 or 4 p.m. And then by 6 p.m., they would be found um, in the coffee houses. Now, chocolate was, of course, a lot harder to create than tea or coffee. There was a huge process in making hot chocolate. And because of this, it became a lot more expensive. So, for instance, the beans were roasted, crushed, mixed into a paste with water, and they'd be exported um, kind of like as a solid block so then you would have to grate the block and you would mix it with liquid, you'd boil it. And then, of course, you'd put in the different things. And one major thing that you'd put in it at the time in the 17th century was chili. And it's quite interesting because you'd go to you might have heard of dark sugars, which is. Um, it's kind of a bit of a chain now. There are quite a few of them where you go and you can purchase your truffles, you can purchase your cocktails with chocolate in. Alex, have you got it there? I've got my hot chocolate. Here it is. <gasps> are you Hang someone on. that's got asbestos lips? Are you able to kind of sip it, it straight away? incredible. Oh, does it? Can you dip your hot. finger in and hold it up to the camera? I want to see how thick it is. I mean, just into, oh, into boiling milk. <laughs> ah, that's quite hot. <laughs> <laughs> oh it is good it's really good it's, it's really nice it makes like, my cadbury's uh mint hot chocolate seem a little bit i um... actually just dipped my finger into boiling water for boiling liquid for you i don't know why i did Thank that you. well i really wanted to see the thickness of the chocolate but then i guess it depends how much it's quite a big mug there oh god that looks good if you've got any chocolates around the house put them in i haven't i'm out of chocolates mm. this is all i've got but oh my goodness it is it is hang on Oh, I haven't got any with me, but I absolutely oh. favour the odd marshmallow on the top as well. A bit of whipped cream on there. <laughs> Can I tell you a secret? Yes. They did come with marshmallows and I just ate them. <laughs> what, just now? <laughs> no, like, just over the last, since Christmas, just, I've just been oh, randomly right. nibbling you at them. couldn't wait to put yeah. them on the top. Oh, gosh. <laughs> anyway, um, sorry. But yes, anyway, so you'd go to, um, you can go these days and get hot chocolate. And it's it seems like it's quite kind of like um, a new thing to put chilli in or ginger. But actually, this is something that they were doing 300 years ago. You would add chilli, you would add pepper, you would add sugar. And the hot chocolates back then were a lot more grittier because it was quite hard to grate the chocolate. Because as I say, it would come in a solid block. So you would have to grate it. Um and uh, grind it up and you think about hot chocolate today when it's grounded it's really powdery but it wouldn't have been like that it would have been quite hard and gritty yeah that i was during um lockdown i did actually a chocolate tasting with uh, mm. online with um, a friend well the whole group of people and we did it with this one company and one of the chocolates they gave you was really grainy and really gritty mm. um, and it was a mexican one and it i mean i can't say i really liked it but they did say that makes an amazing hot chocolate Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Mm. Um, people sometimes would grate uh, bread into it as well. They would uh, grate bread into it and also put a, an egg in it and huh? basically transform it into a meal. Oh, that doesn't, I'm not, mm, no. No, I'm not. I'm not into the sound of that either. But anyway, it would be a lot richer. If you were to have a hot chocolate 300 years ago, it'd be a lot richer than the hot chocolate today. Um, 
And of course, it just got sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. And this is a time when milk has not been added. Milk gets added, um, well, a little bit later by a man who we have mentioned on previous episodes, but I'll come to him. Okay. Anyway, the first chocolate house, 1657, we believe, Queen's Head Alley near Bishopsgate in the city of London. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was opened by a Frenchman. And he lured Londoners in with the promise of the excellent West Indian drink. Ooh. Yes. And it it wasn't as if you were just going to go there and drink hot chocolate. You could also get food there. You could also get coffee there if you wanted. But hot chocolate was fresh on the market. And people, if they had money, would taste it. I see. So as I say at the beginning, you know, it was a byword for pure luxury and wealth. So it wasn't too long before these chocolate houses started to open up in a very wealthy part of London, St. James. There we go. And the first chocolate house to open in St. James is today a club and it's called White's Club. Ah, yeah. So right at the top of St. James Street, just up towards Piccadilly. Exactly. Um, It's a really beautiful building. It's got these lovely black railings. Um, It's kind of three or four stories high. It's got a white facade. Um, If you're with a tour guide, they'll probably tell you that it's where Prince Charles had his bachelor party before marrying Princess Diana of Wales. Um, And this club, it was run by a man called Francis White, and it was called White's Chocolate House, established in 1693. It's still going today, not as a chocolate house. It's now uh, a private members club Um, and very well known today for gambling, which it was back then as well. You would go, you would drink a hot chocolate and you would gamble. There was apparently a small little garden attached to the house. And if you go to the Johnstone Museum, which is in Lincoln's Inn Field, mm-hmm. which you mentioned last week, actually. I did, because... yeah. Really good museum. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Highly recommend it. And free as well. It's completely free. And it's a little bit that crazy, isn't it? In the <laughs> way that you've got every single type of architecture or got um, coffins in there you've got works of art in there and one piece um, you can actually find this online you don't necessarily need to go to the museum but you should anyway because it's amazing Um, and it shows you the it's kind of like a doll's house you know when you open a doll's house and you see all the inside and you see all the different levels and the staircases it shows you what the original chocolate house for whites would have looked like yeah yeah it's really cool cool. i'll get a picture up on the the show notes um now in 1709 there was a a newspaper going around the area of piccadilly it was called boulevard newspaper and it was written by richard still and in his first issue he promised on all accounts pleasure and entertainment shall be under the article of white's chocolate house oh i say Now, Francis, who opened the chocolate house, he died in 1711. His widow, Lady Rose, took over and she was known as Widow White, Mrs. White or Madam White. Oh, oh, okay. And it's quite interesting because um, today no ladies are allowed and it was the same back then for uh, for the chocolate house. No women were allowed. Gah! Yeah, so but it's quite interesting that she was, you know, running the joint yeah, and she ran it for quite some time. A, a famously male. Yeah. Um, yeah. Club. Unless she kind of wanted to be the token woman, I'm not too sure. 
you'd have, to, oh, you'd have to be tough as nails though to be the only woman involved in a men's club wouldn't you yeah definitely and she actually raised the fee so it was a penny to enter and she raised it which got more people interested because they thought well if it's ex- if it's expensive then only the elite can join right it was also at Mrs. White's Chocolate House where you could purchase tickets for some really um, good wanted performances, such as operatic performances Aww. at the Haymarket Theatre, at the Theatre Royal, of course, which we were talking about last week. Puppet beheading? Uh, unfortunately, I haven't read anything about puppet beheading at White's. I know, but that would have been just around the corner, so yeah. a short walk away. Um, now I have found this lovely description of a ball that happened. I can't say for sure that it's at this particular chocolate house, but it's at a chocolate house in the area of St. James. 1752, the grand ball was given last Wednesday. The musicians and singers were dressed like Arcadian shepherds and placed among the rocks. If tea, coffee or chocolate were wanting, you held your cup up to a leaf of a tree and it was filled. And whatever you wanted to eat or drink was immediately found on a rock or on a branch or in the hollow of a tree. That sounds like some modern immersive theatre dining experience that you'd get nowadays. It does, isn't it? And I'm going to come to another club, which it could also be referring to. It's no. called the Coco Tree. Um, but I'll, I'll talk about that soon because I'm still on whites for now. And I'll tell you why I think it could also be for that. Um, but yes, it's beautiful image, isn't it? You know, yeah. holding your cup underneath a, the leaf of a tree and just chocolate running down. Lovely. It's heaven. Mm. Now, we were also talking about um, Hogarth, not just in last episode, uh, but I think so many episodes because (laughs) (laughs) it basically gets everywhere. He really does. Um, If you don't know who he was, he was a painter and he painted a series of um, pictures for something known as the Rake's Progress. And this is, you basically follow the story of a guy called Tom Rakewell and he inherits lots of money and he he squanders it. He spends it on clothes, prostitution, gambling. Anyway, on the sixth image, it shows the Whites Club and it oh. shows it during the time that it would have been a chocolate house. Oh, right. Interesting. There are men gambling. They uh, There's women there as well, presumably prostitutes and not members. Um, but what's interesting is that they are surrounded by plumes of smoke. And in 1733, which I think is the year that Hogarth actually produced these pictures okay. um, there was a fire and actually the the original White's building burnt down and the picture shows that these men are completely ignoring the fact that the building is about to, to crumble and turn to ashes they're so engrossed in gambling and women and drinking um yeah it's, it's quite an interesting piece I'm just trying to find that that piece right now so i can have a little look yeah um, the whites club breaks progress gosh oh yeah i've got it here wow Mm, and again we'll yeah. put that on the um on the show notes so you can go and have a little look yeah that. yeah you can see all the kind of the curves at the back kind of showing the steam and the smoke yeah mm. i mean it does look fun in fairness yeah the gamesters of whites is called yeah it does yeah. look fun i mean i'd like to go there <laughs> Um, Now, also inside, and you can still find it today, apparently it's still used, you do have the betting book. 
Oh. So White's is very well known for uh, gambling and they would gamble on pretty much anything. I mean, they say that, you know, there was these two drips upon the window and they were gambling a, a huge amount of money to see which drip was going to reach mm-hmm. the bottom first. Yeah. Um, and there was um, a well, letter. You do with too much money, isn't it? People with yeah, too much money. Exactly. They're like, too much money, too much time. Let's have a, let's have a drip race. Mm. And Walpole, who we mentioned just recently, the first prime minister, he mentioned it in a, a letter in 1748. And he said, there is a man about town, Sir William Burdett, a man of very good family, but most infamous character. In short, to give you his, his character at once, there is a wager entered in the bet book at White's that the first baronet that will be hung is this Sir William Burdett. Whoa. That's a bit... So they would bet on deaths, births, marriages, um, just all sorts of things. And, of course, if you have got a huge amount of money betting that somebody is going to be hanged first or something bad is going to happen then you are within a circle of you know high flying people you could probably find all sorts of people yeah. to do what you want if you, you show them the right money really yeah, yeah exactly exactly Jeez. and it said that once outside whites there was a man who dropped to the floor unconscious they pulled him on pulled him in and they were like, you know, is he dead? Is he alive? And suddenly the odds were immediately taken on his life. You know, people were putting money thinking that he was going to survive. People thought that he was going to die. And a doctor came in and said, well, we're going to bleed him. And this is a time where if you bleed someone, i.e. you put a leech on their skin, you bleed them, then it could take their illness away. But the people that had put odds on the man that was dead, you know, thinking that he had died, you know, they said, no, you can't, you can't, we can't bring him back to life from bleeding. (laughs) I've got money on this. Just terrible. So, so bad. Um, Now, actually, if you go to Cabri World in Birmingham, you can actually find a a recreation um, of the the front of White's Club because it has such a big connection to chocolate. Oh, my goodness. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now to the cocoa tree. So the cokey tree, uh, cokey, co- the oaky cokey tree. Um, <laughs> I've been singing the oaky cokey a lot to Carmen. I think that's, that's really? why that just oh, happened hilarious. to you. Um, so the cocoa tree. So this existed just around the corner from White's Club um, in Pall Mall. Um, it was originally taken over three different houses in Pall Mall, and then eventually it moved to number sixty-four, which today is where you can find the Royal Automobile House. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, and this club was kind of noted as the Tory chocolate house of Queen <laughs> Anne's reign. Um, and builders recently discovered that it was connected by underground tunnel to a tavern. The tavern no longer exists, okay. but to a tavern that was in Piccadilly. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So I guess all of these clubs, well, chocolate houses, sort of morphed into being the gentlemen's clubs that, St. James is so famous for. So when we talk about all the members clubs that were were set up, mm-hmm. they weren't set up out of nowhere. They were set up on the backs of these coffee houses or, or yeah. chocolate houses. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah. I had no idea about that. Um, and I found a little description for the cocoa tree as well. So it says that respectable body of which I have the honour of being a member affords 
every evening a sight truly English, 20 or 30, perhaps of the first men in the kingdom, in point of fashion and fortune, supping at little tables covered with a napkin in the middle of a coffee room with lots of chocolate. Mm. Mm. That sounds lovely, doesn't it? That sounds lovely. Um, and this is, so I mentioned earlier, you know, uh, this kind of ball that happened where people were putting their cups underneath these leaves and suddenly mm. this chocolate, chocolate or whatever liquid was coming from it in the middle of um, the cocoa tree, which is now the Royal Automobile Club, you had two floors. And in the middle of um, both floors, you had um, what looked like the trunk of a cocoa tree. So it almost looked like this tree was living in the middle of the building and it was rising up. So potentially from that, you could have had the leaves coming down and then you, you know, might have, I don't know how, but yeah, some kind of, yeah exciting jiggery pokery going on yeah exactly that reminds me of there's a there's a pub isn't there in um in chinatown uh oh is it o'neill's that has a a tree in the middle of it well it's a fake tree oh that's the irish um i don't think it's o'neill's it's um i know the one you mean i think it's at the back of rupert street oh god it's fantastic waxy o'connor's that's it and there's so much wood yeah isn't there but it's it's right in the middle of the room Mm. and all of the tables and everything it's kind of it's really cool uh i mean i haven't been there for donkey's years but Mm. um reminds me of also um in the city of london quite close to st paul's cathedral there's i think it's is it called the mitre there Um, is the mitre oh yeah which has got the tree down um it's just off chancery lane yes Mm. yeah chancery lane and um yeah ely place isn't it yeah ely place yeah and you can look through this piece of glass and you can see this old tree which apparently would have been there during the time of queen elizabeth the first apparently she used to dance around it yeah oh there you go yeah (laughs) yeah i forgot about that one um lord byron apparently belonged to the cocoa tree Oh, he got everywhere, didn't he, Byron? He did indeed. Um, and uh, a couple of notable people um, drinking hot chocolate at the time. You had a diary writer called Thomas Rugg in 1659 who referred to these uh, hot chocolate um, or the chocolate being around so much, a hearty drink in every street, he wrote in his diary. So it does sort of sound like the, it was, and I don't, I don't want to be heteronormative here at all, but you know, in the sort of the terms of the of the eighteenth century, that thing it, it does sound like a more manly drink, rather massively than, you know, so. Because which... if you think cho- you know, chocolate's the kind of thing that it's like, oh, women like chocolate, mm. um, and it you know it's light and sweet and all that kind of thing. It does sound like it's more of a hearty, you know, almost like Guinness or something really like rib sticking that you can imagine them going, oh, this is far too strong for women. And, and... Mm. well, it's funny you say Guinness um, because. Um, Samuel Pepys, he apparently had a, a bit of a bit of a night on the town um, during the coronation of King Charles II. And he said the next morning he waked in the morning with a very sad head uh, through <laughs> last night's drink, very which I'm very sorry for. So rose and went with Mr. Creed to drink our morning drought, which he did give me in chocolate to settle my stomach. Oh. So, you know, this is the time I mentioned, you know, people were adding beer and wine to it. So maybe um, it wasn't the hot chocolate that we know of, but it was, you know, you had liquor or you had some form of alcohol in with it. Yeah, definitely. 
Mm. Interesting. Charles II's um, physician, Henry Stubb, he called it the Indian nectar and praised it for his uh, for the medicinal qualities. Now, that's, that's very interesting because it's kind of often, you know, I mean, Guinness, when it was first out, was was part of the advertising was that it was medicinal, wasn't it? Mm, yeah. um, and, uh, you know, the way that sort of honey is medicinal today, it's still a kind of, you know, natural. I mean, obviously, we've kind of corrupted it beyond, I guess, recognition now with adding sugar and all that kind of thing so it's interesting to see it as a uh absolutely yeah um now there was a high tax on chocolate now i mentioned earlier that it would you know take quite a lengthy process and you really needed to know what you were doing when it came to actually making a hot chocolate making a good hot chocolate because you know going from cocoa bean to chocolate you know that's there's so many different stages and uh, every chocolate that was going to be made into drinking chocolate had to be wrapped in stamped papers, supplied by excess men, and then sealed, proving tax had been paid. Ah, okay. So it was seen as such a, an important and valuable thing. Um, I mean, if you go to the V&A, you can find these beautiful little kind of chocolate cups. So there was all these wonderful little kind of china sets that were suddenly being made and different kind of um uh, different materials there's these lovely little kind of gold they almost look like little trophies with lids uh, little lids and kind of um handles on both sides and you would sip at it um so it was such a, a thing for the upper classes to have yeah. and the middle and lower classes are not really going to uh, be able to enjoy hot chocolate or any kind of chocolate for another 200 years. Yeah, it's the latest thing, the ta- isn't it? It's absolutely. A- um, and most people would get it from their grocers. You had the Russells who were quite famous for the area of Bloomsbury. They were given um, chocolate by their grocer. And a quite a famous grocer in the area was a woman called Teresa Massini. And she supplied all sorts of people, such as the Countess of Albany, um, who once said, put in as much vanilla as you can. I would prefer to have the best chocolate, even if it is dear. Oh, money mm. no object, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but a little bit later down the line, we have something known as the cocoa issue. So in 1824, the Navy were allowed to have cocoa on board. So they're, of course, out at sea for a long, long periods of time. Mm. Um, we know that they were given limes and lemons to cure scurvy. And it's believed that having chocolate would give them energy. It was also good for inflammation and all sorts of other different things so yeah you had this kind of cocoa issue the ci which was instituted in the navy and each man received his daily ration a one ounce block of chocolate along with his rum and lime wow yeah and you still get that i mean in ration packs today i remember when we were kids and my dad was in the military and we they would and I, a couple of my friends dads did this as well so i can only assume it was a general general sort of military kids thing but when the ration packs went out of date they were allowed to take them home and we used to love it if our dad brought home ration packs and they'd always have a little bit of chocolate in there oh really yeah. oh lovely oh <laughs> um I found this as well. I love this. So this uh, one lady, she was called Miss Elizabeth Cartwright and she was waiting for her friend to arrive and she wrote, the chocolate ready, the balm tea prepared, my cap put on much tighter than usual. (laughs) Okay, just in case the chocolate's so good it it (laughs) blows off your head. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, I just thought that was quite funny. Amazing. Um, now, I mentioned that milk hasn't been added yet. So milk gets added at the time of Sahan's Sloan. Dun-dun-dun. Um, dun-dun-dun. Do you want to tell the folks at home who Sahan Sloan was, Alex? So Han Sloan is the guy who uh, essentially started the British Museum. Um, he had... Now, this is where... Again, that kind of rewriting of history a little bit of, of writing out the bad stuff and keeping the good stuff. He, we always say, oh, he's credited with bringing hot chocolate to the UK. Um, he, when he, when he created the British Museum, it was uh, his, he sort of sold loads of artifacts that he'd got on his um you know, on his travels around the world to create the first museum. But we always credit him with this, yeah, this hot chocolate thing. But actually, again, it's linked to slavery and it's, he would go to plantations that actually his money came from his wife. He married into money, married into uh, a family that had plantations. And Mm. he saw, as I understand it, enslaved people on the plantations drinking this, this concoction, which was, you know, hot chocolate. Um, And he pinched the idea. Uh, and then added sugar and milk to it to create what we know today as a sort of, yeah, classic hot chocolate, I suppose. That's a, that's the story as I understand it. You, you're probably yeah. going to correct me now. No, 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 exactly right. So we're in the period of the 18th century and he is indeed linked um, hugely to slavery. So he um, spent lots of time over in plantations in Jamaica and it's there where it's uh, he said he observed its dramatic effects in terms of hot chocolate in reviving sickly babies. Um, but it's awful because you just know that he was there doing so many terrible things. And yeah, it's yeah. written that, you know, he's bringing this, uh, this idea back into the country, but you know, so many awful things with it. Um, but yes, yeah, so it is believed that he kind of gave the idea of, uh, adding milk to the chocolate. And this was known as a bit of a secret, which was eventually, um, bought by the Cadbury brothers in 1824 which is a little bit strange. Um, But moving away from that, so the craze of chocolate, you had, as I say, it was quite an elitist thing. You had suddenly these um, chocolate rooms that started to open. And one fantastic chocolate room or chocolate kitchen is in Hampton Court Palace. And this was designed by Sir Christopher Wren, an architect I'm sure we've mentioned a few times who designed so much including St Paul's Cathedral um so this in Hampton Court Palace apparently is the old the only surviving one in the country I think I, yeah something like that isn't it mm, yeah 1690 and it was dedicated to the production of chocolate and uh, in particular it was for William III who was living there at the time King William III who would be brought a hot chocolate every morning devil i know but how <laughs> wonderful would that be i'll tell you i'll actually, bring you a hot chocolate every morning if you like emily thank you yeah. when uh carmen was born i was in hospital five days after and it wasn't it wasn't the kind of luxurious chocolate that you've just had it was a very simple hot chocolate but they would say in the morning would you like tea coffee or hot chocolate and i got so excited i could hear this woman walking down the the kind of the corridor i knew it was her and i knew she was going to look behind the curtain and ask me and that hot chocolate as simple as it was was just so lovely it revived you it really did it really really did um so at the time at hampton Hall palace one of the main chocolatiers was thomas 
Tossier, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Is it? Hang on, spell it to me. Let's let's get this T-O-S-I-E-R. right. T O S I E R. Tosier, I think. <laughs> Tosier. <laughs> it is Tosier. You are. Let's correct. do that again. <laughs> um, now, one of the main chocolatiers at Hampton Court Palace was Thomas Tosier. Not not Tosier. Not Tosia, Tosia. Um, and it was a very privileged job. You know, you you had all these exotic ingredients, which were so expensive. You also got your own kind of royal room and you had your own bedroom, unlike a lot of people that work in at Hampton Court Palace. Um, and prior to this job at Hampton Court Palace, he actually had his own business in Greenwich, which ended up being ran by his wife. It was called Tosia's Chocolate House. Oh, sorry, Tosia's. <laughs> sorry. Tosia's You do realise we're going to have to keep all of that in for the joke. I know, now, I know, I know. <laughs> um, so Tosia's Chocolate House. Um, and it was an area originally known as Chocolate Row. Which, really? yeah, which was in Greenwich. Is, it, um, is that still there then uh, by that name? I don't know, actually. Bear with. Yeah. The uh, the chocolate house itself certainly isn't there anymore. However, um, Tozier's is now kind of a chocolate making factory, if you like. But that house itself is no longer there. But yeah, I wonder, is Chocolate Rose still there? Does it no. exist? No. no. Okay. Um, so this is 18th century. Um, and when he was, you know, super busy over at Hampton Court Palace, his wife, Grace, she ran it and she was so popular. People would go to the chocolate house to see her. She had flowers in her bosom. She had a large brimmed hat. And she was so famous that um, she was painted by quite a very well-known painter called Bartholomew Dandridge. Um, he painted her in 1729. And it ended up being a collectible print, and she was considered a bit of a Georgian celebrity, which is fabulous. Um, and actually, she um, it was so popular that people just didn't want to leave. So she ended up installing a great room, like as part of the chocolate shop, and it was there just for dancing. Brilliant! So you'd go and you'd have like your hot chocolate, and you'd just like that sounds like our away. ideal night out, doesn't it? It really does, doesn't it? it really does. Um, so. Yeah, and um, just a couple of things to end with, really. So the first chocolate box was introduced by Richard Cadbury in 1868. I've definitely got a legacy, those Cadbury lads, haven't they? They do, don't they? So when he decorated a, a candy box, he actually had a, a picture of his young daughter holding a kitten in her arms on it. Oh, okay. it's sweet, isn't it? Yeah. Also, um, Cadbury introduced the first Valentine's Day candy box. Oh, I see what's happening there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Milk chocolate. It's all always oh, all a, a a capitalist holiday. That one, isn't it? It's all Valentine's Day. <laughs> I knew, I knew you were going to say something <laughs> like that. I just knew it. I knew as soon as I mentioned Valentine's Day, you were going to say I'm something. I'm such an old Scrooge. <laughs> Um, what a load of old rubbish. <laughs> Milk chocolate wasn't invented until 1876. Really? Yeah, by a Swiss chocolatier called Daniel Peter. I think I knew that it was Swiss, actually, yeah. Hmm, yeah. Do you know, I when I read that, I was like, I don't think I've ever really cottoned on, and this is me being really openly like, hi, I'm really stupid, um, <laughs> that plain chocolate and milk chocolate are obviously different. Really? Yeah. How would you not like what? 
But I don't think what? I've ever really kind of sat down and thought about chocolate before. And I presumed that plain You've chocolate. You've never lived. <laughs> but I'm, to be honest, I'm I'm a dark chocolate kind of girl. Yeah. But plain chocolate, does that not have any milk in at all? Correct. Oh. Wow, mind blown there, Emma. Yeah, seriously, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm going to blow your mind even more now. Yeah, go on. White chocolate, more milk, even more milk. No. <laughs> No, I knew that. Come on. Come on. Um, if you want to go and see uh, a cocoa tree and you want to go and see the cocoa bean, um, then there are quite a few places, but one of which is Kew Gardens. Ah, yes. Is there anything yes. in the Chelsea Physic Garden, which we've talked about before? I think there is as well, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And you have worked Me? in the capital's oldest chocolate shop. I have indeed, at Charbonnel mm. and Walker. Yeah, what was yes. that like? Very chocolatey. Mm. Quite heady, because I was, I was downstairs. I was, I was not, I was not deemed, you know, client facing, client ready. So I was in the, uh, in the basement um, packing up chocolates last Christmas when we were in, in uh, COVID times and. Um, I needed some some extra work, and they were very sweet to give me a job for a few weeks, and uh, it was great. Um, I mean, it was it was busy because let's face it, uh, a lot of people wanted Christmas chocolates, um, but it was yeah, it was really exciting actually, and it was really you did feel. I mean, it's this tiny little shop which is on about four stories, but every story is really tiny, so everyone was sort of always just like running around in, in each other's way and packaging things up in fabulous ribbons and all kinds of things. It was it was kind of cool though. What did they did they give you chocolate? Yes, you were allowed essentially. Yeah, they they had low, boxes and boxes of loose chocolates at the back. <gasps> and you could just go and help yourself. Really? Yeah. Wow. Which is was great, but of course after a few, you because actually I worked there with James, um, lovely James Hamill. Hello, James. We're, Hi, James. <laughs> <laughs> Our weekly shout out to James. We have promised him. Uh, if you remember in previous weeks, you might remember that he did. He cycled from London to. Um, to say Bangkok, it wasn't Bangkok, Istanbul. Mm. Uh, and then Emily saw him last week and he was like, oh, I'm so excited with my shout out. So we might have to make it a weekly thing. Hi, James. James Hi, James. With me. I, he needed a job too, so I got him involved. Um, and the pair of us, yeah, just sort of sit there kind of eating chocolates most of the day. It was fantastic. Oh, brilliant. Course, if they're listening, of course, I didn't. I didn't. But... No, not all day, just, no. you know, every Only minute. Minutes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah well, there we good. go, guys. That is, uh, that's me on chocolate. Chocolate Houses of London. That's you on chocolate. Hooray, hooray. And this is me on chocolate as well, because I finished my hot chocolate. And let me tell you, nice. it was one of the best I think I've ever had. <gasps> really? So thank you, Katie and Greg, my brother mm. and my sister-in-law, for my Christmas present. Mm. Thanks, Em. Great You're chat. very welcome. I mean, who You're doesn't welcome. love a bit of chocolate, hey? Yeah, exactly. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Podcast Pedestal. So, Podcast so, Pedestal, it's your turn to went first. Oh my gosh. You don't like it going first, do you? Even though this is your oh, <laughs> it's the pressure, isn't it? It's the it pressure. Is. Gosh, what am I going to go with? Do you know what you're going to go with? No. Mm. 
Or maybe. I've got an idea. I think I want to go with the chocolate falling down from the leaves. Damn it! Yes, I'm going to go for that then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think I'm going to go for that because it's such a a beautiful image. You know, bearing in mind this was in the 1750s. Yeah. That must have blown people's mind. They seem to be very creative back then, don't they, with all sorts. I mean, we, you know, we think about the celestial bed. We think about the, um, the, the, the big globe that was in Leicester Square. I mean, the amount of really cool, very impressive big stuff that was being made is really... Uh, yeah. And I don't know if that's because the uh, the price on materials back then wasn't that um, expensive. All the people, the craftsmanship, they probably weren't getting that much money, were they? So No, probably not. Probably not. Yeah, but I think, yeah, I think I'm going to go for that. The, um, the chocolate falling from the leaves of a tree. Okay. I like it. I like yeah. it. What am I going to go for? Oh, I think I'm going to go for Madame White and her chocolate Ooh. house. Yeah, yeah. nice. Because okay. I like the idea of this matriarch in this, you know, telling all these lads what to do and all of these lads turning up and demanding her hot chocolate. Mm. I like that as a... I think you're on a winner this week. Well, we'll see, won't we? No, oh, she's so chuffed with herself. She is so chuffed. I say face. that because people won't vote for me because they they won't want me to win because I really yes, want to. They will. No. Yes, they will. Yes, they will. So there we go. I'm going to go for Madam White and her chocolate shop. Great. And I'm going to go for the chocolate falling from the leaves. Fabulous. There we go. There we so go. I will put up the polls on Sunday, everybody, on the Instagram page. Um, so, yeah, let us know. Vote wisely. All right. Well, before we uh, get to the end today, are there any parish notices? Anything you need to chat about? Um, I don't think so. No. No. Um, I should mention that we do have, we have been told that there is a film coming out soon of Operation Mincemeat to add to the play. Uh, And I was also hearing rumbles about the Noor Inayat Khan film as well. So we need to double check mm. a few little details on that, but those should mm. be coming out Great. Uh, soon. And maybe we have another little, maybe we have a film club, a uh, distance film club. Yes. We'll go in the same week and then report back or something. We'll, mm. we'll figure it out. But I think the Operation Mincemeat one is due out fairly soon. And I don't think the Noor Inayat Khan one is too far away. So that might be quite... We've got quite a few uh, things on the list for that. You know, even just yeah. a couple of weeks ago, when we were talking about Brick Lane. Yes, absolutely. To the um, the festival, you know, where Shaking we can Miller. have people come with us. I think that'd be really lovely. So we might, try and, uh, we might try and, and set up some more sort of formal invites to for to you all to come and join us for things like that. But So watch this space. Mm, We're now excellent. thinking out loud, aren't we? <laughs> Just never a we good are. plan. <laughs> <laughs> no, moving on. The Wheel of Destiny. Right, it is wheel time. Yeah. So. Um, Your turn. Oh, it's my turn, isn't it, this week? Yes. So we have, now Emily and I have come to a decision uh, that we are going to be introducing more guests Mm -hmm. uh, in the future. So we're trying to aim for about a guest a month. 
a whole variety of different people um, that we will sort of link into different places. So we thought we might try uh, and see what comes up for this week and get a guest in for next week's episode. So let's see what happens. Um, Emily, would you like to spin the wheel? I would love to. I thought you'd never ask. (laughs) Off we go. Pick, 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 pick a dilly. Piccadilly. Piccadilly. Okay. Um, all right. So I'm trying to think of some things that we've got that might... Oh, I tell you what. Um, we did have a request from somebody who asked to remain nameless uh, for Frank Pick. It's not and... me. <laughs> There's no chance you'd want to remain nameless. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, for Frank Pick and the uh, his... Um, sort of contribution to the London Underground and basically essentially all the fonts and everything which is, you know, let's face it the London Underground or transport in London generally is a properly uh, you know, a very popular nerd level topic that people go mad for and Frank Pick is definitely one of those people who has really contributed a huge amount to the London Underground and how we view it today and I have the perfect guess for that uh, we have, in fact, it's a guest that we've had before, the lovely Fiona Lucas, who was on our yes. Christmas episode and filled in for me when I was sick as well. Um, she is a an expert on all things uh, Frank Pick and Underground. So let's invite her on. Yes. She can be our guest for next week. Yes, let's do that. Brilliant. So what that means is that it won't be my week, so I will do my week the following week, which means you have two weeks off, Emily. <gasps> two weeks off? Two my weeks. gosh, what will I do with myself? <laughs> lots uh, of hot chocolate lots of hot chocolate so there we go so it'll be uh, us with Fiona next week all about Frank Pick and the London Underground linked into Piccadilly because there is a memorial to him in Piccadilly Circus uh, tube station so that's that's the link right there nice wonderful oh there you go thank you so much Alex thank you thank you everybody for listening and Emily Hmm? I'll see you later tonight oh my god you will I'm so excited (laughs) See you tonight. See you at the theatre. <laughs> Bye, everybody. We'll see you Bye either everyone. tonight. We're so excited for oh. those who are coming. Or we will uh, see you via the, the medium of the podcast uh, next week for a bit of London Underground chat with our lovely guest. Yay. Big love, everybody. Bye. Bye.